On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Oh, there was a thing right there, like when I was in college and I tried seeing sex kind of stuff. I don't know what's happening there, but I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Talk and Audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening right now. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon in Nepean. I imagine it's about the same in Canada where you'll find Rob right now. How's it going, man? Well, I, you're you're completely wrong. Okay. It's actually the sun. We, we just had it. heard that. Yeah, we had a, we we had a couple of big thunderclaps that rolled through here. Some some rain but the sun is actually beating down the sun it's super sunny anyways how about that (laughs) i'm bailing out on whatever wordplay i was trying to do yeah it wasn't working yeah clearly um we have got uh, lots to talk about today the cfl finally has a season plan there's uh behemoth talk about the blue jays we got nhl stuff to get to as always and some gruesome but exciting stuff off last night's UFC 261. Before we do any of that, what did we just hear you crack into? Man, uh, I think it's a pint of gorgeousness. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, but it's my college nickname. Yeah, pint of gorgeous. Yeah, for for sure it was. <laughs> that's an that's an after hours special for sure. <laughs> it's closing time. Where's pint of gorgeous? It's usually referring to ice cream. <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> That's prom night, baby, right there. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a, um, it's a kvike. It's called This Is This I from. Can't say that word. Kvike? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Norwegian slang for yeast okay. is, what it, is what it stands for. But um, it's sort of a farmhouse ale. But. Uh, it just mean are those becoming more and more prominent in this area lately? Well, and the thing is, usually with a farmhouse ale, like a session ale, mm-hmm. you see them, they're, they're quite a bit lower in alcohol. Yep. This is this is a 5.9. Okay. And so Hence I'm not sure how much, yeah, I'm not sure how much work is getting done over there. <laughs> but but in terms of Kvike, it's K-V-I-E-K, and uh, it's pronounced Kvike. And it's, it's, a, it's this revolutionary type of yeast that's able to ferment at a really high I had to, I, I, I looked this up, don't get, but it's able to, to give it the, the sort of a cleaner taste fermenting at a much higher temperature, which is usually where you get that alcohol yeah. chemically flavor. This has none of that. 
it it's super clean. Um, yeah, honestly, first pull. Um, it's it's gorgeous. What do you got going on over there? Uh, nothing particularly exciting. I'm into. Uh, I have circled back to uh, what's in the keg fridge here. I'm into the Vimy Stout, which we've talked about a pile of times on here. So we won't get too deep into that. But uh, after picking up the uh, the new keg fridge there a few weeks ago and, and getting the keg in, we've had some some problems with the CO2 regulator. It's been up and down and, and not given square reading. So it's been a little harder to keep the, uh, the, uh, the carbonation exactly where you want it. So I'm a little behind. And uh, normally I'll try and bring something else in for the show, but uh, I'm about yeah. two weeks behind on the pace I need to set for the, uh, to get through the stout before it goes bad. So we're going with that today. Well, and if, if I listen back to uh, when Creech and Bunda were on. Yep. Episode so, three t- or eight twenty. And so uh, I wasn't sure. I, I can't remember now if you were drinking it that day or you weren't because it was down. So. Yeah. I was intending to drink it that day and was not able to. So. So I, I got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I've I've never I've never laid eyes on Graham Creech. Okay. Um, but this is going to be rough. Vo- eh? No, 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 <laughs> I, I, not at all. Is he coming He's back straight. after you're done talking here? Yeah, for sure he is. I tweeted at him. We we had a we had a little conversation on Twitter after the show. Um, he, he just strikes me as a more of a diminutive type man. Okay. Right, and I go by his voice. Mm-hmm. And I go by when Dave Cameron was was coaching the Senators and, and Creech was doing a lot of from the change room stuff, post game or whatever. And Dave Cameron would always say, where's my little buddy? Okay. <laughs> In reference to Creech. So I have this idea of him. And so that's it. I, I've never laid eyes on him. Yep. Um, but I love the visual and the idea of him flying to wherever that fight was he was talking about and him throwing down with Oscar De La Hoya. Like to me... <laughs> I, as I said to him, I got fifty bucks to see to to pay on a pay per view to see you fight. Uh, it's gonna be another one of these trailer park. I know it's called thriller, but I've been calling it trailer park fights here. Another freak well, and, show. And you know what the thing is, and, and listening to him describe it, as soon as he broke it down with the "Hey, my buddy said that Urkel and Snooper are, are smoking a joint," <laughs> you're like, "What ridiculousness is this?" Yep. But the thing is, back when my kids were in were in minor hockey. You grow to, I don't know, dislike, I guess, is where I'm going to go with certain other parents that you bump into through the years. And I always thought to myself, a great fundraiser for the association would be this kind of (laughs) bare knuckle out behind the arena. And, you know, I don't like that guy. That guy doesn't like me. I think we could, we could get a, throw a card together. Right. Couple parents that are feuding. You're going to square them off in one fundraiser for the team. Place bets. Yeah. Everybody throws a couple of. This couple card of is more than half moms, though, right? Oh, and it may be some moms and dads. I have no okay. idea. There may be there <laughs> mixed, may be there a mixed may be, tag going. On. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, I think you could. I think it's a, a much overlooked idea and fundraiser. Like you can sell all the you know the boxes of citrus or chocolate bars <laughs> you really want. That's tired, man. Out of the box thinking says parents fighting. Boxes. No kids. Tired. Yes. Parents boxing <laughs> wired. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you gotta go down to the five ounce gloves or whatever yep. it is. I don't I don't want any of those 15 ounces, you know, the big pillows. Everybody's let's feeling right. pretty brave. Yeah, let's get let's get right after it. Um speaking of getting right after it, man. Last night I, I I've been doing some pondering. I'm not quite there yet. I don't know if I can call UFC 261 the greatest card I've ever seen. 
but it was the wildest. Like, by far, there was finishes across the board on main card, and some of them in just spectacular fashion, some of them in in gruesome fashion. Uh, I know you didn't have a chance to watch it, but you've had a chance to check out what went down. I, I got to tell you, maybe the most gruesome sports injury I've ever seen, and, and this always <laughs> fires up a gross conversation, but last night, Chris Weidman, he lays a kick, um, and and his it's the first kick of the of the fight. It's Uriah Hall, and he throws this kick like ten seconds in, where his shin hits just below Hall's uh, knee, and just keeps going. Like it just wraps right around the back of his leg. His his shin snaps in half, and you sort of kind of see it as it happens. But then he brings his leg back to put weight on it, and you can see now, oh, it's not there. Like, it's broken right off, and, and this is going to be a little gruesome. I'm going to paint the picture for people. When we were kids, we used to um, we used to have sword fights with the empty wrapping paper rolls, and, and you'd be beating the hell out of your cousins and whatever with it, until it just kind of spiraled apart and started to, like, dangle. That's what his leg looked like after one kick, man. And for people who will remember Chris Meidman, why do I know that name? Why does this broken leg thing sound familiar? The second time he fights Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva lays a kick in on him, and the exact same, hap- same thing happens to Silva. One of only like three times this has ever happened in the UFC. But man, a crystal clear example of why the UFC will never be, you know, we've talked about putting it on ABC in the afternoon and, and whatever, why it will never be as mainstream as Dana wants it to be. That was grotesque well and yeah the symmetry of 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 weidman checking the the silver kick and it breaking silver's leg and then yeah weidman doing it yeah it's 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 something else but it's i i hope it you know that weidman this is the end i hope he i hope he it's been on a downhill slide here for a bit for, for sure since he lost the title like and this is this is a you know he's at the bottom of the main of the main card, and yep. as he's just slid and this sort of thing, you just go, okay, man. I I think you should maybe push your chips in or take your chips out, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, We're yeah, like ten seconds that, into the fight. Dana White tweets seconds. out right after. Yeah, this is the first time in UFC history someone has won a fight without throwing an attempted, you know, not a punch, not a kick, anything. Uriah Hall just checks. Weidman's kick, Weidman's leg breaks, fights over, all wins. Like, yeah. just, oof. I, I can go on this card still. You got anything? You got yeah, anybody else? else? You need me later on? <laughs> I yeah. haven't broken a sweat. In this COVID time, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm interested before anything else, but it would just if you look at that main card, mm-hmm. and as you said, those reasons that it's not going not gonna to go mainstream, head kick, yeah, and and one of the cleanest knockouts you're going to see in terms of in the in the main event, Usman versus uh, Masvidal. Yeah, A- incredible like, man. Like that that one you're talking about there, Usman versus Masvidal, and Masvidal's supposed to be the boxer, right? And um, Usman takes him down in the first round, and he's probably won the first round. Although Masvidal does get up towards the end and, and land a couple of jabs, and you go. Ah. Probably Usman, but we'll see how this is going. And it, it's a pretty competitive first round. In the second round, that speaking of Anderson Silva, Masvidal comes out and he's doing that same shit. He drops his hands. He's kind of dancing. He's kind of taunting him. 
And the the punch, the right hand that Usman lands to start the end of that fight is the most over. It looked like a movie bar fight scene, right? This overacted, over exaggerated thing that you would never see in a real fight, except there it is, and it just clocks him right on the chin. Down he yeah. goes, and it's over, like just like that. Yeah, no, no early stoppage there. No, that guy, he, starchy. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, he's out. And, he is out. It's like the Nagano fight that yes. we just saw. Oh my god! Where you go, yikes! Yeah, right. And and the thing is, if if you look at, and again, when I listen back to the show with you and Creech and Bunda, eight twenty. It, it's, I did. I never saw this any other way than going to a full, to a full five rounds. Right. Masvidal in his last ten fights did not get stopped. Mm-hmm. Right. It it just it looked to me like. Yeah, and I I paid for the pay-per-view in the summertime when they fought on short notice. Right. And it was one of the most boring fights <laughs> I've, I've ever seen. Well, and that's right? why and it so, happened, right? Usman yeah, sure. is supposed to fight Burns. Burns has to drop out. Masvidal takes the fight on six days notice. So that's rough on Masvidal. He hasn't had a full camp. But Usman also gets to go, you're not the guy I was training for. I didn't. And Usman's pissed. I wanted to smash you harder. You're not in my league. If I prepared for you, I'll destroy you, was his thing yeah. all the way through this. And turns yeah. out. He's right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think everybody understood, too, that that he, he's not in the same class. No. Right? So that last fight probably went as good as, or as well as it could possibly go for Masvidal, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think at some point, if you're if you're Masvidal's camp, you got to hope he's getting enough cash out of this. And I think because... that's half the reason Usman went back to him, right? Masvidal <laughs> knows. First of all, Usman is pretty confident he can beat him, but also Masvidal is a great talker. He'll help sell this fight, right? He will make it a money fight. Where Usman yeah. is not an, always a great talker, and I, I do think the one thing that's pretty noteworthy here is. You know, before the Burns fight that did end up happening just 71 days ago with uh, with Usman, the reputation was starting to develop that Usman maybe, while you were sort of getting the comparisons you liked to GSP about maybe being the greatest welterweight of all time, you were also starting to get the, ah, he doesn't finish, right? He's a good wrestler. And now you're seeing him just finish people and in spectacular fashion, which may put him, you know, another one or two of those in a class by himself, not only in the history of that division, but like right now, he's still kind of, for whatever reason, ranked number two in the pound for pound rankings behind uh, John Jones, despite the fact that the guy almost never fights. Uh, He does one or two more of these. He will have that crown as well. Well, and it's, and it's interesting because in, in his last 10 fights, Usman only has four stoppages, right? But three in his last four. Yep. And, and so, that is that is telling because yeah he put a streak of seven or eight UDs right. together right unanimous yep. decisions and and so you as you say it looked that way but he stopped Covington then had the five rounder against Masvidal stopped Burns and now spectacularly has, has stopped Masvidal so uh, yeah interesting and and it's funny because that was a no doubter in terms of a couple ground and pounds after the knockout which yep. were to me totally unnecessary when yep but. If you look at the uh, the Nama Yunus head kick, head kick, and spectacular and ja- again, yeah. But Jang again saying afterwards, like, oh, that's an early stoppage. You're like, man, if anytime you take a, a kick, to, a clean kick to the head, yeah, and you're down. Guess what? You've you've sort of forfeited your chance to, you know, right. And so for people who didn't see it, uh, 
Zhang Wei, uh, Zhang Wei Li stands up after receiving the spectacular head kick that knocked her out and she's screaming at the ref and she actually shoves him and she's stomping her feet and whatever until the replay comes up on the board and you kind of go, uh, okay, like maybe I didn't realize how long I was out or that I was yeah. actually out. And it reminds me, you know, in, in Forrest Griffin's book, he tells the story of, I can't remember who he was fighting, but he's getting just spectacularly wailed on and the ref ends the fight and he stands up and he's screaming at the ref. I'm fine. I'm fine. And the ref points at the screen and he had, there's like 12 seconds that Griffin doesn't remember. He's down and yeah. being just destroyed. And he turns to the ref and says, thank you for saving my life. Like I have no recollection of any of that. My lights were turned out, man. <laughs> like, well, and how many times do you see a, a guy get, get knocked out and then he comes to and he, and he grabs the ref or he, yeah. or he does whatever because he has that. And and it's it's funny how the mind works. Um, or doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were in we were in the uh, All Ontario Field Across Gold Medal Game, yeah. and and uh, a buddy of mine, he's a he's a midfielder. He's taken a, a suicide pass over the middle and gets rocked. Right. Like he's down, and he's out. Like and he's in the middle of the field, and he must have laid there for thirty seconds. He gets up. And starts sprinting down the field, and he's, got his, and he's got his hand. Yeah, he's got his hand. He's got this, the, the, his stick over his shoulder, going, "I'm open." You're like, yeah. Yeah, we blew the whistle man. a minute ago. <laughs> well, you were, and he was out, and, yeah. and you go, "Yeah." So the mind goes blank. It, it's that reboot, right? right. And so it's, <laughs> that's hard it's, reset. Cool. Well, this is it, and then you're up, and you're like, "Okay, what's going on? <laughs> I'm good." And you're like, "Yeah," but you've been sleeping for the last thirty seconds, so. Yeah, sorry about that, but your night is over. Well, and the other one of note there is the the flyweight fight where Valentina Shevchenko defeats um, Jessica Andraj. And Andraj was kind of the only one left in that division for her where you were like, I think, you know, this could be interesting. I think she might be able to to get in and, and, and you know, do some damage here and make something happen. And Valentina Shevchenko, for such a killer... She's got this bubbly personality. After she wins, she's got this little dance she does. She's super friendly, like all these things. But you could see in that <laughs> moment, after she defeats Andraj, she stands up and she's kind of looking down at her, looking at the crowd, looking down at her and go, this is it, eh? This is the one you had for me? This is the one you thought was going to be the one to, you know, there is that moment of where you're still in that zone and that competitiveness and, and all these things that go down. Um She's sort of cleaned yeah. out that flyweight division and, you know, people are calling for, you know, her and Amanda Nunes, which we have seen, but not since Shevchenko has found this sort right. of groove that she's in. And I wonder if that's what's, you know, people want to see it. I think the UFC will, will hold off at least until 2022. Uh, you always run the risk of, of blowing it, which we've seen before when you uh, let them go again. But I kind of think that's the the money fight like both of those girls Nunez and uh, and Shevchenko have cleaned out their respective divisions there's not much left there that's overly compelling yeah and and that's like that's one of those things where when you run the risk and we've talked about this before right you talk about it with the McGregor Poirier fight yeah. or you talk you know um and and that's the the risk you run in in terms of trying to slide something else in between and then one of those one of those fighters groove gets cut yep. and and then, then it already takes a hit. Whereas, yeah, you look at last night after, after the uh, the Usman fight, and McGregor saying, "Yeah, I'm, you know, he's stealing my game. He's talking my trash. He's <laughs> he's throwing my shots. He's like, I'm going to fight that guy at 170." You're like, 
dude, you have problems at 155, <laughs> yeah, man, with a, with, a, with a big with a big lightweight. Yep. You want to you want to step up. That is a huge step up, right? You should stick to fighting old men in pubs. You should go fight Jake Paul. Yeah. Well, and did you see that McGregor this week bought the pub that he punched that old man in? Did you see that? <laughs> no. So, so I guess I don't care. Really, I know he's completely irrelevant in the fight game these days. I love Conor yeah. McGregor. What an asshole. Well, okay. And, and so I guess, I guess the old guy's become a bit of a local legend and right? he's in the <laughs> pub and he's like, yeah, I took, I took that clean shot and didn't, didn't, even, didn't even fall off the stool. And so, you know, so McGregor spot the pub and banned the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What an asshole. Yeah, for, sure, for sure, man. <laughs> So he'll so, be back in July for that uh, Poirier thing. The next month or two, I, I said back in January, the next three or four months was going to be just loaded up with great cards. It's been a good run. Uh, the next one or two, to me, honestly, look a little bit weaker. Um, and then you got to assume whether it's going to be the best fight or not, who knows, but Poirier McGregor will make money. McGregor always makes money. That'll be in July. We'll kind of see how things shake loose from there. Usman's getting Colby, uh, Colby Covington next. Um, you know, we've seen it, but I guess we'll yeah. see it again. And so I, well, and, I it does, I to me, see, it slows down a little now. Yeah. And I don't see either one of those fights ending differently than the previous fight. No, I don't either. Right. Like Usman Covington or, or Poirier McGregor. Right. I see, I see those sort of, so good luck. I, uh, you know, I likely won't be paying for those, but. Right. Um, lots to get to. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the Blue Jays and what they've been paying for or may, might be prepared to pay for. Uh, an interesting article in The Athletic this week. We will share it as we always do in all the usual places by Jason Stark, uh, kind of a national writer for them. And, and he does some interesting stuff that's normally pretty entertaining. And he's talking about whether or not the Blue Jays are about to become, and and he uses this word like 70 times in the article, but a behemoth. Kind of behemoth. Yes. On par. Not, not, what? Sorry. I just going to say not the bohemian and behemoth. Two separate things. I didn't say bohemian. No, but you said bohemoth. I don't think so. Anyway, let's, let's, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, um, I'm glad you stopped me for that. The, uh, the idea that maybe with this young core they've developed, um, and the, the money that Rogers has shown recently, they're prepared to put in with signings like Ryu and Simeon and Springer. Maybe the Blue Jays are on the verge of becoming this kind of nonstop, not just bubble up every now and then like they did in 15, 16, and then sink back down to be constantly on par with the Yankees and the Dodgers. And I don't know, there's, there's some things to argue with. There's some interesting points. Um, you were the one who wanted to get to this today. What was sort of your takeaway on it or what was it that stood out to you? Yeah, well, just the idea that it, it, it actually, the term, the, the behemoth reference came from Shapiro himself, yes. right? He was the one back in January who was saying, you know, and it, and it has to do with what he sees as the untapped potential of of the Blue Jays market, right? Starting in, 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 the, in the GTA, but extending to a full country and... Mm -hmm. And, and, and this sort of thing, the untapped potential he kept talking about. Um, but yeah, the idea that the Yankees and the Dodgers being that sort of, you know, absolute upper crust in terms of always there, always there, 
in in terms of always having a good team, mm-hmm. right? And, and and he threw in, you know, he said there's there's the Red Sox are always around as well when they want to be, right? Yep. Um, well, but now the Shabar- Mets, right, with their new ownership group. Yeah, but see, the thing with that is, to me, the Mets have been trash since, you know, since '87 or whatever, <laughs> right? I know they went to a World Series in the early 2000s, but like really, you know, since since that, you know, 1986 run, have you? Do you have anything really good to say about about the New York Mets? Yeah, that also uh, Subway Series in '02 or '03 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I said. Early early 2000s, but that's an absolute blip on the. That's like a Florida Marlins kind sure. of thing, right? And anybody can jump up and do yeah. do that at any time. Um, yeah, but to me, I more look at the at the Cardinals or the Phillies, right? These teams that seem to always be around. Um, but the, the thing is, you have to spend. Mm-hmm. You have to spend, and so to me, I don't care how good your 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 farm system is, what your current roster looks like, because they talk about this wave, the next wave, and then the wave after that, right? Um, you talk about all those teams: the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, now the Mets. In terms of being owned by a by Cohen, a billionaire. Yep. To me, the the difference is you have individual owners versus a corporation which traded is look, company <laughs> looking at a bottom line right and you go where is the appetite for that for that mm-hmm. company to spend with those guys and that's what it really comes down to right is is where is the money and if you look at in the article it states the jays have only three times been in the top 10 in salary yeah so never broken 13, 170 13 14 and 15 and they were never higher than eighth right. in terms of salary, right? Whereas the Yankees and the Dodgers in the last decade have have never been out of the top three. Right. right? And Yankees so, hanging around this year even at about 195. And I think they said the Dodgers at like 240 or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. $249 million. <laughs> and and so that to me is I would love, I would love for to see a sustained ongoing winner in Toronto. Right. And, and it sounds so simple. Right, the idea of great core now, prospects on the come, mm-hmm. right? Shrewd drafting, and you continue to develop and swap things out. We see it in hockey, right? Right, but but it's hard in hockey with the salary cap. There is a super soft cap, you know, in in baseball that is really just a luxury. Yeah, tax. you don't have to care about it if you don't want. <laughs> if you want to, right? The Leafs would love that in hockey, right? You Fucking just, right, you, would. <laughs> you forever pay the penalty, right? Yes. You just go, all right, pay whatever. Um, you know, Shapiro talks about the details. It's all in the details, right? It's sweating the details. He kept, he said that a bunch of times too. Mm-hmm. And and I love the idea, but it's going to come down to ultimately, can you, are you able to outspend your mistakes? Like that's what happens to the Yankees, right? You, you, you make a bad signing. Work. Next guy. Yeah. And you're like, all right, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or we'll get the Jays to pay 20 million bucks for <laughs> too low to play here or whatever that is. Right. And, and so this is that, almost the opposite of, I've said for a while, and and you know, you there's examples, good and bad, across all sports. That one of the things that's great about the Leafs right now is they have this corporate ownership that, as long as you make money, they just stay out of your way. They don't really give a shit, right? You don't want some crazy billionaire sticking his hand in there and going, well, "I really like this guy. You should keep him." Or you, no, they just get out of your way. Whereas if it's going well, like you almost like in baseball. A Steinbrunner or whoever, who's a crazy asshole, who's 
the Yankees are his vanity project and he will just keep throwing money at it to make sure that it works, right? And to make sure that it's successful. So it kind of depends which one you get, right? Like well, kind of circumstance by circumstance. You you want a you want a Steinbrenner who's willing to let Cashman, whoever it is, yes, spend his money and spend it in a way that he sees fit. Or but you don't want a Jarrah Jones. No. Who who is going to spend his own money on how he sees fit right. and never yep. win? Yeah, but you're yeah. right. Like the Rogers is two bad fiscal quarters away from going. Nope, fuck that. You're trading Springer, right? Like if it's bad for the bottom line, they'll start cutting just like any other business. Yeah, and see the thing is with with the Leafs is it's it's almost guaranteed that that team will forever make money. Yep. Right. Like that is. That is, in so many ways, it is it is the the hockey brand in the country. Well, that was and one of so, the reasons that the the teachers pension fund always said, "We'll never sell this. This is the easiest return on invest." Now that we're in, this will just keep churning and churning and churning. Like this is a great investment for our portfolio, and you know it was kind of a weird entity to have owning your team. But again, they largely stayed out of the way just because whatever, as long as the money keeps rolling in, they don't care. Obviously, Bell and Rogers come knocking and make an offer that, you know, you'd be ridiculous, you know, it, it would be ridiculous to turn down, uh, changes everything. But they always said, no, this is the most secure investment we could possibly make. We'll never bail out. Yeah. Well, and, and as much as the rest of us hate the Leafs, yeah. right? That's the reality. They are... They are the darlings, even when they suck yeah. in that in in the largest <laughs> metro area in in this nation, which is a hockey country, right? And yep. so, it's 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 going to continue to generate cash in jersey sales, in television rights, in all these things, right? It's yeah. just it's a it's it's they are the Yankees of of mm -hmm. the NHL, right? It's just. It's crazy. So, do you believe that's fine. the Jays have the potential that Mark Shapiro says they do? Because we do see it when they're good. The crowds do come out. But we are fickle. Right? We disappear fast. Well, because yeah, this is this is an up and down team. Yep. Right. Like if if you look at that at that post in the article that talks about it, right? Post 90, 92, 93, when those were such heady times, man, from 85 through to finally winning that, that series in 92, they were good in 85. They were good in 87, yep. 89, 90, 91. Like they were, they were always there in a, in a, in a year when it was much harder to, to make the postseason. Yeah. They were also the highest um, spending team at that time. Yeah. And the other thing that they're going to forever fight against, and, and we hate to hear it, unlike in hockey, man, you are one team in major league baseball located outside of the United yep. States yep. and, and drawing people, drawing some Americans north of the border is, is very difficult unless you want to throw. That's big, it. Fat, right. The rumor is cash at them. <laughs> they, out like their, their bid obviously was going to have to be higher than the Mets to get them. But then also that surcharge of coming across the border and they right. managed to do it. But, you know, you're going to have to do that every time seemingly with now winning begets winning and, yeah. you know, maybe this starts a bit of a, a flood or a trickle or whatever you want to call it if it works. Um, but yeah, it's not easy to lure some of these guys across the border to come and play in a foreign country.
Yeah. Well, and winning gets you, you know, gets you your David Cohn or your David Dave Stewart or your Paul Molitor, right? Yeah. Or your Dave yeah. Winfield, or, you know, blah, 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 sure. right? And Ricky Henderson, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, that is, you are, it, it's interesting in the article, Springer talks about the great phone call he had and being sold on the, on the, on the vision of the Blue Jays. But, you know, at the end of the day, that 150 mil <laughs> sells me on a lot of, for uh, a lot sure. Of, I'll believe whatever you need me to believe for $150 million. I got a lot of visions, a lot right. of visions with 150 <laughs> mil. No, it's true. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I think, you know, we, we do often forget that it is the fourth biggest metropolitan market in North America. Yeah. And Jays fans should demand that the team act like that. They should not be operating like a small market team. Now you are seeing a little bit, you bring in guys with experience like Atkins and Shapiro operating like you're a small market team who develop properly, but then also have the might behind them. Um, and I'm forgetting his name now, the guy who used to run Tampa, who's now in LA, you're seeing the exact same thing, right? And he went to the Cubs first too. I, uh, no, that might be something uh, that was Joel Madden, but is it Friedman who was the, uh, I don't know, man. doesn't matter. I'm just gonna be a, I'm there was a guy who's swinging at it. Yeah. The, who ran the Tampa Bay Rays and set them up to be what they are. He ends up in, in Los Angeles who are just loaded with cash but you still operate the team the same way. You make sure you have a good development system. You make sure you have guys coming and you're making shrewd draft moves. And then you, you know, you have the money to surround that with big time free agents. Man, that's what Jays fans should be demanding that Toronto yeah. look like. Well, because not only is the GTA the fourth largest media market, when it comes to the Jays, you are 37 million large in terms of your... Yeah, and that's accurate, but I always shrink away from that a little bit because Toronto being owned by Rogers, they don't put the TV rights up for bid. And that's that's a thing that um, the NHLPA complains about all the time as we bring it back to the Leafs a little bit. Because Rogers and Bell own half and both own a, a sports network in Sportsnet and TSN, they don't put the games up for bid, which should drive the price up and in turn, drive the cap up, right? They right. should be bidding against each other instead of just going, no, 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 here's sort of a fair market thing. You take half, I take half. Rogers yeah. doesn't put the Blue Jays games up for bid against TSN or whatever. They just go, no, here it is. We'll go to Sportsnet. And so that's this huge TV market that you're not actually exploiting, really. And Right. Yeah, okay. And, and I get that. And sorry, and I, and, and I understand what you're saying, but I, I was just sort of looking at, at the, at the audience, but I, I certainly uh, appreciate what you're saying, which is, yeah, that, that immense audience has no leverage because right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. It. Yeah. And, um, but, but Jays fans should demand that, uh, you're at least spending competitively. And, uh, now that they do have the core here, maybe, you know, we'll see if these guys have any, uh, the Jays win one, nothing today. I only bring it up, uh, because the last time the blue Jays won a game, one, nothing, at the trop, the fucking house of horrors, the yeah. guy who got the save, your substitute teacher, Steve Delabar. So it's been a while since uh, since wow. we put one of those on the board for uh, uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, where do you want to go next, man? We got football, we got hockey. What do you want to hit on here? Uh, let's let's get the football out of the way. 
Okay. Um, the Canadian Football League has announced uh, that they have a start date or a planned start date. We'll see where this goes. But they had to put a plan in motion, and it's that they will start in the first week of August. It will be a 15-game season with a Grey Cup on December 12th in Hamilton. Not sure if you've ever <laughs> been to Hamilton in December. Just beautiful, man. Beautiful yeah. time to be outside, sitting on steel benches or whatever the hell is going to go on there at the new Tim Hortons field. Um, the players have been screaming for a plan. They needed to know what was going on. We talked last week about their PA telling them not to give up your, your day jobs, as it were. Uh, the government's been telling them, you know, if you want our help, if you want things signed off on, we need to see something in concrete. This is what they have presented. Are you any more confident having now seen a plan that this plan will actually happen than you were a week ago when we talked? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that gives me, gives me cause for, for hope for the CFL is, is the way the vaccines are going, right? right? The vac- the vaccination. And you started to hear things since we were last on air last Sunday that, you know, they're hopeful that if, if they can get above 75% with the first dose mm-hmm. by, by July 1st, that you could see things start to open up for the summer, right? Yep. As you get, as you get three quarters of the country with at least a dose, which, which brings the number of severe cases down mm-hmm. This will allow you by, you know, with further vaccinations by the beginning of August to sort of get some bums in seats, which I think. Outside the overwhelming majority of the league too. Yeah. 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 And when you look at, I, I would, I would say by December, you should be looking at having a large number of people, if not the full vaccination process done. Right. So this is, this is crucial for a, for a league that is. As I said last week, you know, the, the CFL looks at the, you know, the NHL may be the fourth of the big sports teams, but they are absolutely the Beverly Hillbillies compared to the, to the <laughs> CFL, right? And, and this is, they need bums in the seats like nothing else, yep. right? And so I, I am more hopeful just one week later for, for all those reasons. You push it back, have a modified 14-game schedule, and I like the idea that if they have to, um, you can focus on on hosting all games at West initially, right? If if you know Ontario and Quebec are still on fire, comparatively <laughs> speaking, on fire. Um, but again, I, everything about this to me proceeds with a cloud over the whole league, right? Like, what does this mean? <laughs> what does one more season mean? Are we cramming in one last gray cup before we become XFL North division? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, the more you listen to a bunch of people more in the know on the CFL than I am, um, start to start to now have moved in the direction where they look at that and go, uh, that may be the savior for football. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I listened to, uh, Rod Peterson, I believe it is, out of Saskatchewan, yep. right? He yep. has a podcast, and he uh, he, he talks about being very much now moving in, in favor of this. It, not sort of in favor like, I want this to happen, but this may be the thing that saves the CFL from itself. Well, Justin right? Dunk, too, over at Three Down Nation, he's talking, almost insinuating that, you know, Ambrosi suddenly has reeled this back in on the, the talk of the XFL, like, 
we're still exploring and how it could help us because if you tell the Canadian fan base this is a lame duck season before yeah. we start this new thing but still come and give us your money it's not going to fly so you need to get through this year before you reveal your actual plan well and i i've been amazed at at how quickly and even uh friend of the show AJ Jackiebeck yep. right play-by-play yep. -play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks long time CFL fan he has he has openly said you know at the end of the day I don't care if it's four down or three down right mm -hmm. if if you can keep football going in these markets and it's and it's good football yeah I'm okay with it and to me he is a he's an he's an OG a three CFL down lifer <laughs> yeah this is it right and and, and if between he and Rod Peterson, if those if, if you are getting those guys saying, "Hey, man, this is this may be the future." Yep. Uh, I, I'm surprised at how quickly everyone's like, "Hey, man, 110 years, blah blah blah." Okay, forget it. Let's go. This is happening, right? It's yep. it's 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 interesting, and, and maybe in the future, if this doesn't if this doesn't take in the XFL you know, doesn't thrive in American markets as, you know, we went through the USFL, the WFL, the AAF. Uh, the American Association of <laughs> of American football, whatever that thing was, triple <laughs> AFL, uh and and the many incarnations of of the of the XFL that this may be like CFL American expansion, right? Can, can can the CFL thrive and go, oh, there was that thing right there, like when I was in college and I tried same sex kind of stuff. I don't know what's happening there, but I don't know. We're gonna what's go back here. <laughs> we're gonna go, we're gonna go back to three down football now after that experimentation there. I I don't know, man. I'll try anything once. I think we know the line that's gonna be pasted on the front of this episode <laughs> for the music. <laughs> No, you're right. If, if they can get the traditional, we've talked before, is it your big markets that are pushing this and they're the more and more you hear, it is Larry Tannenbaum and MLSC that are kind of going, we're doing the American thing, yeah. which shouldn't surprise anyone. But if you can get your Saskatchewans and your Winnipegs uh, and to a lesser extent, your, your Alberta teams on board. But if those two kind of get going on side with the... Uh, you know, your big market teams will see. And I, I say big market in the sense of the size of the city, not necessarily yeah. in the footprint of the CFL, but. Uh, well, and the passion and the passion yes, for the game. For right? sure. And, and just to be clear, I, I was channeling my inner, uh, you know, Adam Sandler, Cajun man from, <laughs> from SNL, right? Homosexual experimentation, no penetration. <laughs> I'm not sure if that helped or hurt your case there. Yeah, you may be the right. only one who, who remembers that. <laughs> hey, but it's worth it's worth a Google uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of some of the uh, the, ah, this is gonna be a shitty transition. We mentioned Winnipeg there. The voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Bayak, was on and and sort of talking about this year's NHL trade deadline and the different circumstances around it and just kind of what it's turned into. Um, you were the one who brought this to my attention. Kind of what was your takeaway and, and sort of what was he suggesting with his comments? Yeah, well, and, and, and you'll be the first to tell me if I'm way out to lunch, but what he was saying when, quest when the question was put to him, did the Jets do enough at the trade deadline mm -hmm. with only with only – supplementing their defensive core with 
Jordy Ben. Right. Right. Is that enough when, you know, you had the Ekholm talk or yet even had the, uh, last two games would suggest no. Yeah. Well, the last two games would suggest that really the defense isn't their problem. It's, (laughs) it's, it's not scoring enough. Right. And so, um, but they didn't do much at the deadline. No. And this is it just with the Jordy Ben and, and what he said to me, well, he didn't say to me, (laughs) Via the but, radio. <laughs> yeah. But but what spoke to me from what he said was, and it was a bit of a throwaway comment, and I'm interested in your take on it, was he said, in all the years, if you're going to sit back and not make a move, this year, when there is no crowds, you're not getting that first round revenue. And if you mm-hmm. lose in the second round, whatever. Right. And And, and it made me wonder... Like, I always think, hey, man, my team is in third in the division and, and, and we're pushing and we're going to make a trade deadline acquisition that's going to put us over the top and yeah. get us to the final. I've never, ever thought about I'm looking at getting a round or maybe two rounds of playoff gates in. And if I flame out in the second round, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is kind of what he was implying with the, yeah, well, there's no crowds. There is no gate receipts this year. If that's the only move you make, mm-hmm. so be it. I, I was I was fascinated by that mindset. Do you think that mindset exists in 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 most most franchises, or do you think everybody who who looks to make a move at the deadline is going for it? I'm surprised. I do think that um, that that exists. I'm surprised it existed in Winnipeg because despite the small uh, the the size of the market. It's one of the, if not the richest ownership groups in the league. Um, And they have as good a chance as anybody of getting out of this division and taking a run. Elliot Friedman suggested this back around Christmas when we were starting to see the details of what this year was going to look like. That he could see, you know, maybe our team has a chance to get in, but we don't really believe that we're going to go as all that far. And so, yeah, since there's no money to be made in terms of tickets being sold at playoff prices in the building and, and parking lots and, and, you know, beers and food and jerseys and hats and all this shit, we don't want to take on money to bring in, you know, more expensive guys to help put us over the top. I, I do believe that probably existed in some places, uh, Philly, you wonder, were they far enough out of it at the deadline that they shouldn't have tried to do something to turn it around? Like, there was some usual teams that would make a move that really didn't. I'm surprised that he would suggest that Winnipeg would be one of them, just because, you know, despite, you know, you and I had very different predictions for what they would look like this year, but right now, sitting here, they're no worse than the second most likely team in this division to to get out to the conference finals and they can afford it. So I'm not surprised that that mindset would exist, that it's more about making or saving money in some years. I'm just a little surprised that it would be emanating out of Winnipeg. Right. And and, and in a lot of cases you have the play-by-play guy. He's not the coach. No. He is not the GM, right? He's in no way affiliated, but in a lot of ways he is tied to the franchise yep. by the guy who is, who is selling your brand on a day-to-day right. basis. And so I was I was really interested if if this at the end of the day was nothing more than a comment to say, 
yeah, this is is the second tier reason why mm. we only got Jordy Ben, right? That they didn't go in on Alexiak or they didn't, which to me, while not an offensive threat, he would look nice in a long Morrissey. Yeah. yeah, or or whatever it is, or or alongside Pionk, whatever that is. Yep. Right. It would it would push everything else down the line, right? In terms of a stabilizer in your top four. Yeah. Um go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think that that was a team I was sure they would make a move and probably an impact move in their top four defense, uh, and they just didn't. And so, uh, you know, it's a fair suggestion. And But I have heard and, and read in a few different places that lots of teams say, we got to win a round, maybe two in the playoffs to break even, even now yeah. in, in Gary's NHL. And so it is a financial thing as much as as anything else. And when that money isn't there to be made, you know, is it costing you more money to keep playing <laughs> maybe in, into some of these, uh, into the summer and, you know, it's more charter flights, it's more testing, it's more all these things. Yeah. Um, maybe you don't really want to be going for it. I, it seems odd, but yeah. Yeah. I was interested in, in the whole thing. I, I, I looked at, at Winnipeg's defense and, uh, you know, I thought it was suspect, right? Mm-hmm. There were, there were holes in it. And I think in many ways it's outperformed. It's, you know, the, 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 sum of its parts have exceeded themselves. And, and I thought there was no way that Hellebuck was going to be able to do replicate his Vezina season from last year, that he wasn't going to be able to be as good, right. right? That, that was my feelings. I, I liked what they had up front. Uh, I like what they have up front more than I did at the beginning of the season. And, and Hellebuck for the most part, the last two games, interesting. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I want us to get pulled. And then that bad, bad, that bad home, <laughs> home ice bounce off the stanchions. You're like, Ooh, yeah, that nothing looks worse than when the puck is in front of your net and your goalie is behind the net. <laughs> that, that is always a, no matter what happens, you're like, yikes. Yeah. That's a bad visual. It's like when you accidentally um, take control of your goalie in PS2 and I don't. <laughs> he's why is he in the corner? Exactly. What is happening here? <laughs> yes. Doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing his stick into the board. Poke checking like, yeah. at the board. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Man. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> um, but yeah, at this point, it's, it's, if they could have went all in on, on a, on a, on a blue chipper defenseman, mm-hmm. right? You pay that price for Ekholm prior to. The Preds going on the run that they've been on. Um, but it seems like a bad matchup stylistically for them against Toronto. Uh, I think I think as good as Winnipeg is, I think that matchup against Toronto is is likely the best for Toronto and the worst for Winnipeg, right? It's it, uh, oh, it Do you think people me, were saying that a week ago? Because everyone was talking about Winnipeg's heavy hockey and now Toronto's the dirtiest team in the league or something. Um, well, what and- an interesting little little mess they have going on there, right? You got you got Thornton and Ehlers, noted tough guys. Yes. Right, well, did you slashing see? and poking each Thornton other. And- poke or uh, cross-checks Ehlers and it breaks his stick. So he skates to the bench, gets another stick and goes back and cross-checks him again. Like, Fuck well, you, you and- broke my stick. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, when he, when he got the penalty for whatever it was yeah. and he gets and he gets out of the box yeah. and he goes right back at Ehlers. Yeah. Like, well, and, and, and someone then- did find the video before all this happened. It wasn't on the main camera. Ehlers had speared him right in the nuts. 
So well, and, then, and, and and then and then gave him a good heart when he came out of the box yeah. and and gave and gave him another cross check and pushed him and and again Ehlers goes at him with the yeah. end of his stick right like yep. bam and even um his name escapes me um coach of the coach of the Jets Paul Maurice Paul Maurice was like yeah you look at that video he's like there's somebody at the NHL is not <laughs> going to be super happy. <laughs> Well, you'll you'll love this because you've referenced it a time or two, but somebody on Twitter had said, because there was video of Thornton still yelling at him from the box, and uh, somebody grabs, uh, replied underneath it and goes, I've managed to find the audio. It was mic'd up, and it's Grandpa Simpson doing, in my day, we had an onion on our mouth. (laughs) Because that was the style. Style Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, well, and it's funny because... uh, uh, Joe's, you know, as as affable a guy as, as you're going to get, yeah. but also has a bit of a, a sharp wit about oh, him, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's in there and he's just, because they're both in the box the second time. Yeah. And, and Ehlers is just sort of doing the occasional, throwing his head back, giving the, ah, whatever. Shut but Joe, yeah. Joe's just <laughs> giving it to him, right? And honestly, that it, when the two of them are together, it has this big brother, little brother look, right? For like, sure. <laughs> Joe was just towering over Nick Ehlers, but Nick Ehlers played Canadian junior. So he, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's, I don't think he's going to be completely phased by this, but no, it's interesting. But, but leading into that two game set, man, it was the Jets heavy hockey and could the Leafs keep up with it? And by the end of it, it was the Leafs are, are now a dirty team. They're 26th in penalty minutes this year. And over the last three years, last in hits, last in penalty minutes. Yeah, I but think, first in first in slew foots and sure, like oh, kidney sure. jabs uh-huh. and shit. Like they are dirty bastards. <laughs> Great little video at the very end of the game of Wayne Simmons blowing a kiss to the Winnipeg bench after another win. So this is it. The Leafs had lost four or five in a row, whatever it was going into that two-game set. Uh, very comparable to when they went in and swept Edmonton a couple of months ago with three different goalies. Um, they were coming off a, you know, they were struggling then too. And, you know, for whatever it's worth in this regular season, and as people know, for my money, it isn't much yet, but, but they have responded every time, you know, Edmonton had a chance to leapfrog them back then and Winnipeg had a chance this time and, and they've answered the call each time. So we'll see what that's going to look like. I am fascinated that the Habs are doing everything they can to give this spot to somebody else. Um, just floundering to the finish line. I, it, it's still like 70% likely that the Habs take yeah. that four spot. Now I'd like to see a Leafs Habs series. Obviously that hasn't happened in my lifetime, but man, they're trying their hardest to give it to somebody. Yeah. Well, and we, we don't need to get into, into predictions, but yeah, it, I, I still see that happening, but they, they could not look worse. No. Montreal, Montreal, I'm talking about, yeah. right? In terms of like that Calgary team is not a good Calgary team. Like whatever, Speaking whatever's happening there. Where one of us had them winning this division. <laughs> yeah, and the other one had them in second. Yeah, well, right. And and so um, it it is it is super bizarre, right? Yeah. But they they seem to be, and you talked about that Philly example, right? where things have gone in net about as horribly as yeah, they could, yep. right? In Philly with Carter Hart. Um, and, and that group up front, right? You go individually, you go through all the names and you're like, okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's good. That's good. You know, whether, whether it's, it's Hayes, Giroux, 
you Voracek. know, Voracek. Yeah. It's it, it's just Patrick. you know, connect connect me. They yeah. just got a they got a bunch of things there where you're like, ah, oh, I like that. And even as a depth piece, JVR down there, Scott you know, it's Lawton. just yeah, like it's just and, and a lot of people had super high hopes for that team, yeah, like like Calgary, and you go, it looks soulless, yeah, right. You, sure. you just sort of and you go, both those teams are are not going to make the playoffs, right? And, and had high expectations, high hopes in the in their markets, and like if you listen to to the Calgary market, it's man knives are out they big are time. Not pleased. <laughs> yeah, well, and and the thing is, if if you look at that Calgary market, you signed a goalie, mm-hmm. and and it hasn't been Markstrom's fault when he's been in. He's been giving them. Yeah, he's been great. Good goaltending, and Tanev's been and, as good as anybody could have asked him to be. Yeah, and you did not you did not give Sutter two extra years in this contract <laughs> for a rebuild. Nope. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you right now. So anybody who's talking about big wholesale changes, selling off, rebuilding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you did not bring Daryl Sutter in for that to happen. So I don't know what you got going on out there, but it doesn't look good. No. Right. So and both those markets. So you know, interesting times afoot. Um on the headline segment of Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, Friedman reported that uh, the GMs had their meeting last week and they were presented with two different scenarios um, for how the schedule could be shaped. Both of them involved returning to the divisions as we knew them last year. So this Canadian division and everything that's gone on south of the border, that gets wiped out and you go back to your normal divisions, which I think most people predicted. Uh, And then the... Essentially, the first option was you would go back to exactly how the schedule used to be. So you would play a home and home with, uh, let's say you're Toronto or Ottawa, because that's the overwhelming majority of people who are listening. You'd play a home and home with everyone in the two Western divisions. You would play three games uh, with the Southeast or the Metro or whatever they call it. Metro. Right. So your Rangers, your Penguins, your Flyers, all those guys, you would play three games against them and the rest of your season would be made up of all, uh, division games. I believe it leaves something like 48 split amongst the, uh, seven teams or whatever it would be in your division. The other one was that you would still play again. If you're Toronto or Ottawa, you would play a home and home with the two Western divisions and only a home and home instead of the three games against the other division in the East. And then, um, four games against everyone in your division. And that would leave six games left on your schedule that could be spread out for special events or rivalries. Do you want to play one more game each where the Canadian teams are all playing each other or something like that, right? Where, you know, fans have really enjoyed this Northern division. Maybe that's how each team's last six games would be spread across Canada um, or just whatever it might be. Rivalry nights, Rangers and Islanders or shit like that. So these are both kind of on the table. Um, Do you have a preference for how you see this being spread out? And if they are as married to this divisional playoff as they say they are, why, you know what I'm saying? Like if Toronto is going to play a home and home with the two Western divisions, why wouldn't it just be a home and home with the other Eastern division too, right? If we're, only care about our divisions. Yeah. And, and I think in the two, in the two options, option a, the first one you, you put out, I think they go with more of a conference playoffs, right? Like we used to see with the seating one through eight, right? 
I found that confusing. They did say it would lean more conference heavy. I didn't know if that meant keeping the wild cards and that's your conference thing, or you'd go back to a one eight. It's uh, I'm not, okay. really, I'm not really and, sure. And the second option being more, more division, division heavy. Yes. Right. And so I'm always going to lead more towards the division side, which, which would include the six wild card games or not wild card, but six open segment games. And I'd love to see Ottawa get, you know, that extra six games filled with Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, right? Sure, yeah. G- give us one more run through the country in that because I get that. And, and Bettman and Daly have both said throughout this process, this is a one-off, yep. this Canadian division, right? No matter what you like or think about it <laughs> and how it would be great for fan attendance in, in all these cities, uh, it, it ain't happening longer than this unless something crazy unforeseen happens, right? which – we have seen in the past, sure. you know, 14 months. 2021. <laughs> so um, I would like to see it go back to a, a more division heavy with a little extra emphasis on the Canadian division, because I've personally enjoyed seeing more of, of the Western Canadian teams. And, and it, it's led me to, to take a greater interest in what happens with those teams as well. So are you sick of more, it? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not sick of it. But I'm like, tens too much, right? Like, and I get that it has to be this way for a one-off year or whatever. I, I I didn't like that we, you know, as a Leaf guy, I only saw Toronto and Edmonton or Vancouver, any of the Western teams. You only saw them once a year or twice a year in a home and home. I could get that to like four or something like that, right? Yep. This is a bit, yep. this is a bit much. I'm starting I get to, fu- and I, I think you're starting to see it a little bit in these games too, right? Like all, all these well, teams have played at least seven, eight, nine times against yeah. each other. It's how getting many, chippy out there, man. How, how many more games do Toronto and Winnipeg have? Just one more, I believe, left. Right. And that has all kinds of potential to be, yeah. to be super they interesting. They're sick of each other. Right. Like you look at, you look at Ottawa, Vancouver. I think they have two more games this week in Ottawa. Right. And there's some interesting things happening out there, right? Like, Formington is 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 piling guys into the boards like that. Should, <laughs> I was loving man, Saturday night before the UFC ever got into their fireworks. I got Eric Branstrom fighting dudes and Rasmus and Rasmus Sandine <laughs> taking out a six foot five Blake Wheeler. With a, what is yeah. happening, man? Well, these and these, these little Swedish is, defensemen are sick of your shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you look at like the Formington hit was dirty. Yeah. Like to me, that's not a, you know, a buddy is off, off balance and you, and he, and he gives him a hard plow into the boards and right. you're like, Yeesh. but that's the kind of thing where you're like, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we got to see you two more times this week. Like, yes. To me, there hasn't been the hate no. that we thought we would see until now. Right? Yeah. It it's, is escalating. To, yeah. We've got to the end of this and you're like, you know, I don't need to see Edmonton again right. this year. Like, I, <laughs> I I, I'm not sure. Now, it's good to see uh, Mike Smith, you know, potential Vezina trophy winner, <laughs> leave the ice, you know, with a, with a tweaked groin or whatever his oh, issue is. But okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, no, last night here. And so, you know. <laughs> can't I can't believe been, asking a 39-year-old to play 50 of 56 games. <laughs> yeah, I've been running that guy hard, but man, his, his stats are his stats are what they are. And, and that'll be the ultimate crow to be eaten if, if, if that guy wins a Vezina trophy. <laughs> um, but 
neither here nor there. The stats don't lie, right? And, yeah, and they good. are where they are. But that's one of those fat lady in a glass slipper things in the playoffs, man. I'm not sure I want to ride that guy in there. But, right. hey, I've been wrong this far, so <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I, I just wish whatever they were going to do with this new – if we want to be division heavy – like that's you're actually reducing the number of games uh, in that second scenario against the division where it would only be four and you'd have your extra like right now it's usually it's at least four and yeah. often five against each team yeah and then drop the fucking wild card and go to straight divisional playoffs yeah which and and they didn't really mention the wild card thing no right and so if you're going to me if you go back to the conference style. Yeah. Right where your your division winners. Oh man, there's it, it used to be one, used two, to be and three. The three. Yeah. yeah, but now we're down to two. Yeah. Anyways, it's if you if you went with the conference, you, you know your division winners get one, two, and everybody else gets gets plotted in by points, right? But do you, you go, like outside of Canada? Do you care about seeing the other division? More or less than you do, right? The Penguins, the Flyers, the Rangers, the no. right now you're playing them three times. Would you rather that be a home and home like it is with the West? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's what I would prefer. Yeah. Right. I want to be able to see Crosby in the building. I want to be able to see, you know, these sorts of things. Yeah, really. sure. Lafreniere, Ovechkin, whatever's going to be going yeah, on. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, but after I got past Crosby, I'm like, who do I really want to see outside <laughs> of the division? Right. I want to see McDavid. Anders Lee. Right? Yeah, well, for sure, man. I want to see Butch Navich. That's what yes. I want to see. Um, but I'd rather New see... Connor Verhage on his hot streak. There What's with, with the that Panthers? guy, man? Honestly, God, man. <laughs> you look at it go, that's, mm, that's one of those things. Former league um, farmhand. But I'd rather see more of the Canadian teams. That That's simply where I go. And a divisional playoff. Yeah. Right. I want to see if it's... You know, Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston, whatever that is, or no, it's, no, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. That's just that's just the way it came out of my pie hole, right? But I don't need to see you know um, Mrazic in the Carolina Hurricanes no. more than more than twice. I really don't. Agreed. Anything else you wanted to get to on this one? No, man. I I, I think I I think you know what Empty I'm going to tell head. you right. I'm going to tell you right now. This beer. Mm-hmm. This this is this from from McLean's has been a seriously seriously drinkable beer. I would uh, crushable. I would ha- crushable for sure. And it's like I said, at almost six percent, it's uh, super smooth, super smooth. It's got a little citrus hit, but it is it is very drinkable. So McLean's, this is this Kavike. If anybody out there is interested, uh, really worth taking a, taking a look at. Um, just in closing. Interesting with your free beer. Yeah. Home Ice I, Advantage I, I, from the uh, Old Tomorrow Brewing Company, a uh, fundraiser for Hockey Helps the Homeless. The information for that is all over our social media pages right now if you're interested or just visit uh, oldtomorrow.com or hockeyhelpsthehomeless.com. Carry on. I, I've, been, I've been a member of this podcast for almost six years and I was really hoping for free beer at some point in yeah. this and it, it still has yet to happen. Pandemic so. has uh, has taken many things from us, man. <laughs> this is but one. Yeah. No, it's totally fine. Totally fine. But it's going to have really, to be because it at, is at not going to make it. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, well, it's funny because I have, I've saved you a beer. Okay. Well, right. And, and you're not, there's, there's no reciprocation there. Nope. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> no reciprocation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No penetration, no reciprocation. Um, it's, uh, but that's really, you know what? I what you, you start out in this podcast thing. I never looked for any kind of riches mm-hmm. and fame. Free that's, beer, man. That's good. Free <laughs> free beer, man, is all I was really looking for. And it's been it's been on the low side, really. So but you enjoyed it. You you're you're putting it out there. It was yeah, good man. times. Very good. Super Excellent. crushable. Excellent. Uh check them out. Like I said, social media feeds, um, have all their information everywhere. If you want to help out a good cause, highly recommend it. Like just visit oldtomorrow.com. In the meantime, we are on Twitter and Instagram at audio, facebook.com slash audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Hope you have a great week and we will see you later. See ya. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.